Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Fire Church, Karim Downs. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We have no reason not to worship. We have no reason not to worship Jesus. The Bible says there is only one found worthy. Do you remember when the Lord saved you? Do you remember that moment? When you received a father. When you received love. When you received mercy. You received his grace. You could do nothing on your own merit. But put your faith in Jesus and trust in Him. That He is the resurrection and the life. He is the King that left His throne to die for our sake. For our sins. But would raise again on the third day. That we would rise once again with Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would anoint my lips today. You would anoint this message, God, that I would flow with your spirit. I yield towards you, God. And I partner with your word that what is sent out, your word that is sent out will not return void. But lives will be transformed today. Lives will be impacted today. Let your anointing rest upon your people, God. To break things off. That freedom may reign. That Christ may reign in us. You know, I, uh, I'm going to be preaching on worship and warfare today. And um, I just was thinking about my, my journey into coming to know the Lord and then, and then beyond. And I actually grew up in a household that was filled with music and entertainment. It's never been something foreign to me. It's always been something I've been surrounded by. My dad was a, a drummer in a band growing up, and then when we were young, he started his own karaoke and DJing business. Um, my mum's side has musicians as well. My wife comes from a very musical family. She's an amazing singer, amazing worshiper. <laughs> I'm biased. <laughs> but uh, I would go to gigs with my dad growing up, um, 
and he'd let me DJ for the first half of the night and then he'd, I'd be released to go and burn up the dance floor after that. <laughs> but um, it was always something, yeah, that was common in, in my life. It was never a foreign thing from an entertaining and performing side. Um, my dad actually tried to teach me how to play the drums when I was quite young, but he had a bit of a short fuse and so when I messed up, it was like, go to your room, <laughs> came over. <laughs> Um, so that, that actually deterred me from music for a long time. Um, but it wasn't until, um, well, sorry, after that, sorry, we grew up listening to people like Eric Clapton, The Eagles, um, what was it, Kiss. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was everything from like uh, pop, country rock, classics, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. We, we, we had to watch reruns of Countdown. Does anyone remember, like, that generation, right? So we grew up, like, all of that stuff, really. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> um, so, we, yeah, it was just a very vast variety of, of music. And my dad had two acoustic guitars that never were played. They were just kept in, in a room. One was a nylon string, one was a steel string, and I decided I'd start to teach myself how to play guitar. And... Thankfully, I didn't get in trouble when my parents found out that I was sneaking <laughs> into the room and grabbing the guitar. Um, they actually went and purchased my first electric guitar pack and it came with a hard case and a little 10 watt amp. And um, I'm like rocking away in my bedroom. <laughs> so, but um, it wasn't until, yeah, the early parts of high school when I started to solidify my love for music, um, especially playing with other people. And when I was 15 years old, my parents had actually separated and music became a God in my life because I needed an escape of the reality of what was actually going on. I started to hang around the wrong crowd. They influenced me in ways that were just dragging me down further. I didn't know I needed God at the time, but God knew that I needed Him. And so fast forward to late 2007, 2008, somewhere around that period, I'd recently become born again. And I was watching Hillsong's DVD album titled, This Is Our God. And the last song is called, With Everything. Lots of us will be familiar with that song. And as I'm, I'm watching the musicians and the people worship, all these emotions started to bubble up on the inside of me. I didn't know what was going on, what to do with it. But I knew that I was passionate about music, but there was something more in this moment. It went beyond just entertainment, just performance. These people were so extravagant with their praise, so enamored by Jesus, I could actually feel my heart pounding in my chest. And so they started singing, let hope rise and let darkness tremble in your holy light that every eye will see Jesus our God, great and mighty to be praised. And the song would go on, they would, they would shout, our hearts they cry, be glorified, be lifted high above all names, for you are King, and with everything we will shout forth your praise. That was the moment that I realized what I was created for. I couldn't make sense of it at the time, but I just knew that I knew that I knew in that moment, this is what I'm created for, God. I'm not created to worship myself. I'm created to worship you.
you know, not all of us are called to serve in the worship ministry of, of music and sound, audio, visual production, but all of us are actually called to worship, amen? Come on. So John 4, uh, verse 21 to 24 says this, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. This is Jesus speaking to a Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Lots of us know this. Believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship, well, sorry, we know what we worship for salvation is from the, of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus is making very clear the Father is actively seeking worshipers. He's not looking for the most good looking. He's not looking for the most eloquent. He's not looking for the most gifted or the most talented. He's looking for worshipers and worshipers that will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma. It is that which is breathed or blown. In the New Testament, we, we actually discover in, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians, correct? Bear with me, I can't remember the exact point. But it talks about how we're actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. So wherever we are, we can worship the Lord. His presence goes with us. He wants to be close to you. He loves you. He died to live inside you. True worship is that which is in truth. The Greek word for truth is aletheia, which means the state of not being hidden or it is unconcealed. Worshiping in truth means I don't create and worship a false God that I'm comfortable with. We worship the God of the Bible. Worshiping in truth also means that we're not called to lie in our worship. It means I don't come to church on Sunday and quote a heap of scripture for the poor choices I'm making. Can we just be real? Can we be vulnerable? We've all done it. It means I don't try to flatter God or manipulate Him to gain something. Nothing is hidden from God's sight and He will always lead us into the truth of who He is. Worship is not something that's dead and lifeless. It's something that's alive and active. That's why you saw people jumping around, praising this morning, because it's the Holy Spirit that's actually leading them into worship. Jesus makes something else clear that we need to know who we worship. Samaritans actually would create their own version of God. It's idolatry. It, it, it always blows my mind. She, Jesus comes, you know, and is like, go get your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And he's like, yep, and what you said is true. You have five husbands, and the one that you're with now, the sixth one, is not even your husband. And then she tries to get into a religious debate. <laughs> How many of us have done that when Jesus is like convicting us of something and we go, but, oh, but, uh, um, <laughs> he knows. He knows the secret sin. He knows the things we don't want to actually address. But he lovingly corrects us. He's drawing us to his heart. But even in that moment, she couldn't. She, she then starts to go, oh yeah, yeah I know the Messiah is gonna come. He's coming and he, he, will, he is Christ. He will, he will tell us all things. Jesus is like, 
I'm right here. That's why he says, you don't know who you worship. We have to know who we worship. We can't create a false God. We'll start to live these, a life of idolatry, essentially. I can do whatever I want. I don't need to, to, to submit to God. I don't need an authority. I don't need Lord. We have to get off the throne. So we need to know who we worship. Jesus is saying it's not about how many religious traditions that we make, church services that we go to, conferences we attend, or Facebook statuses, Instagram posts, people we follow for secondhand revelation. It requires an encounter with the living God. And we need a regenerated heart by the Holy Spirit to truly know who we worship. So we weaponize our worship by who we worship. I'll say that again. We weaponize our worship by who we worship. Romans 12, 1-2 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Everyone worships something or someone. So it's not a question of will I worship, it's who will I worship. Yes, it's not a question of will I worship, it is who will you worship. In the book of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness. Lots of us are familiar with this. He, he is baptized and then raised and, and the, we hear the Father saying, He's my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit rests on Him like a dove, it says. And then He's led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The last of the three, three temptations is found in Matthew 4, verses 8 to 10. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. The devil's ultimate motivation is for us to worship him. He has a desire to be worshipped. For us to do that would be idolatry. It is worshipping the creature rather than creator. Romans 1, verse 24 to 25. Therefore God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonouring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Lucifer was the guy that God put in charge of worship and music. He was the guy that was actually closest to like the throne of God, God Himself, His presence. In the book of Ezekiel, it talks about the day the Lord created Lucifer and how music was actually inside of him. The Lord crafted him in this way. But he was not satisfied in his heart with worshiping God. Instead, he wanted to be worshiped. He saw himself more beautiful, more powerful, more wise, more worthy than God Almighty. So he lost his exalted position in heaven and was thrown out with a third of angels. Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 18, that he watched Satan fall like lightning. The day this happened, two kingdoms were at war. The kingdom of heaven, which is the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of darkness is the kingdom of Satan. 
When we become spiritually born again, the Bible says in Colossians 1, verse 13 to 14, that He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. So we are transferred into the kingdom of God, but we are also born into a spiritual war. This is why we worship and warfare. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Take note of that that last part of the verse. Do you know the difference between a worshiper and a performer? It's the audience we play for and whose approval we are looking for. The difference between a worshiper and a performer is the audience we are playing for and whose approval we're looking for. So we are called to worship and warfare. We are meant to engage in a spiritual battle both personally and corporately. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 6, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Say mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How awesome God actually gives us weapons to engage in this warfare that are mighty in Him, that are able to pull down strongholds. One of those weapons is our worship. You turn with me to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is the the famous account of King Jehoshaphat uh, and Judah where the armies of Moab and Ammon and Mount Seir come against them and lots of us go it's the one with the the worshippers went out but the battle wasn't theirs but they praised the Lord we get so fired up about it I want to go through this together because I feel like there's just some keys for us that to remember as we worship in warfare let's start from verse 1 so 2 Chronicles 20 verse 1 it happened after this that the temple, uh, sorry, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So point one, when we engage in spiritual warfare, our first response is to seek the Lord. If we are to overcome the enemy, we must first submit ourselves to the Lord. Fear and intimidation are common spirits the enemy uses to attack us spiritually. And he doesn't respect the rank you are in the Lord's army. King Jehoshaphat felt the fear, but set himself and the city to seek the Lord because they knew that only a greater kingdom could overthrow a lesser kingdom. As believers, we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken by the Holy Spirit, which enables us to stand in the face of fear and worship our God with confidence that He will bring about the victory. Invisible battles must be met with supernatural weapons. Worship is our weapon to conquer the enemy. Ephesians 6 verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. All right, let's pick it up from verse five. Then Jehoshaphat said in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, 
O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of all the, of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in the temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against the great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah and now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Next point, when we engage in spiritual warfare, we behold the Lord, not the battle. We behold the Lord, not the battle. I love the honesty of King Jehoshaphat's prayer in the assembly though. Even though he doesn't know what to do and he feels afraid, his eyes are on the Lord. When big problems come, we look to a bigger God. When we don't know what to do, we can use our weapon of worship by praising and proclaiming the truth of who God is and thanking Him for what He has done and what He will do. It's an act of courage to fix our eyes upon Jesus, not cowardice. God is our ultimate help and our line of defense in times of need. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Verse 13 of 2 Chronicles 20, in, in verse 13, I just wanna bring a little bit of attention to that. It says, now all Judah with, all, with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. To the men in this room and who are watching online, we have the responsibility to lead our wives and our children in the waves of God. In a world that is trying its best to pervert what God created and what the Lord called very good, we must stand and fight for our families, for each other, and for generations to come. Even if we feel fear or we don't know what to do next, we do not abandon our posts. Even if we feel fear or we don't know what to do, we do not abandon our posts. It is the enemy's tactic to destroy the family unit, but God has called us to, to be devoted warriors to Him who will worship Him no matter the season or the struggle. Stand and walk in your God-given authority to love and lead. There is nothing more threatening to the enemy than men that are gonna stand and worship God. The world's gonna be like, oh, what a bunch of wussies. I'm like, are you serious? Do you know who my God is? Stand up, don't let the enemy intimidate you. Take back your authority. Verse 14, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. In the midst of the assembly, he said, Listen, all you of Judah and, the, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, 
Thus says to the Lord, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. How good is God? He's like, the battle is mine. And just to make it clear, I'm gonna tell you even where they're gonna come up from. (laughs) You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not uh, fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. When we engage in spiritual warfare, obey the Lord's strategy. It is God's purpose that we would prevail, but He is the one that leads the charge. When we seek the Lord, it is not a mental checklist that we tick to then take matters into our own hands. The Lord said to His people that they don't need to fight in this battle, but they are to position themselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord that is with them. God has an ordained position for us in His army. The enemy would love nothing more than for a civil war to break out. Breaking rank can look like not supporting those that are around us. Breaking rank can look like being insubordinate to our leaders and their instruction. Breaking rank can look like open disagreement and becoming critical of our leaders. Civil war will lead to confusion, chaos, disunity, and ultimately defeat and failure. When we hold rank, we are choosing to march together in unity. Holding rank is a designated military formation that is necessary to winning the battle. They, will, they won all their battles because they had, sorry, King David, if you remember, he's, he faced, I think it was roughly eight to nine corporate public battles. Not one did he lose because they had the presence of the Lord, they obeyed him and they held rank. This is what we need to do. Verse 18, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites, you just want to say like Vegemites and like stuff, like all the ites, like the termites. So they stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in His prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Can I get our worship team? I'm talking whole team. Can I get, if you're in this room, can I get you to stand up? I see you, Tom. (laughs) Now, take a look at these beautiful people. If you were going to war, would you send a soldier or these guys? (laughs) You're being cheeky. You, you would actually, you get my point. You would actually go, where are the soldiers? Where are the ones that actually like know how to use a weapon? That like, they've gone through boot camp. They're the ones that are like rearing to go, hoorah. Like, you're not calling your musicians who are like, 
I feel like it's just the Lord going, this is how awesome I am. Go out there and praise the beauty of my holiness. <laughs> Not, God's going to smite you. God's going to kill you. <laughs> it's praise the beauty of my holiness. <laughs> you may be seated, guys. Now, when they began to sing and pray, and sorry, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When we engage in spiritual warfare, worship confuses the enemy and conquers him. It confuses the enemy and it conquers him. Worship is not like a sporting match where we wait for the team to win and then we lift our celebration, praise. Worship goes before the battle and declares the rule and reign of Jesus and His kingdom. We sing with one voice, with triumphant high praises, declaring who He is, declaring His victory. He is the one that holds the keys to death. He is the one that has conquered sin. We worship the God who was, the God who is, and who is to come. Do you remember in uh, the book of Joshua, the battle of Jericho, when God instructed the Israelites to go and march around the city for six days, and then on the seventh, they were to lift up a shout. In the natural, that does not make any sense. <laughs> and I reckon in now, like our time, I'm sure that most of us, during those first six days, we'd have been like on our social media going, did you hear what Joshua told us to do? To march around the city and then shout on the seventh day? What kind of, <laughs> you know? It's just, this was the Lord's strategy. But there's something powerful in it because when we lift up praise and thanksgiving to God, it actually, it paints a target on us for God to come and inhabit our praises. They couldn't actually bring that wall down naturally. They need to bring it down supernaturally. Worship is supernatural. It's actually something eternal that we partner with now, not just wait till we get to heaven. Revelation 4, what's happening right now? Saints, elders, angels, living creatures, looking at the Lord, worshiping Him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Come on. Ephesians 2, 2 says that the enemy is actually the prince of the power of the air. So that's actually the height of his dominion. God's dominion is higher than his enemies. He is seated above, right? He's in heaven. That's when we become born again. That's why we read in Ephesians. We are now raised with Christ. We're seated in heavenly places, far above principality. So we need to actually get our praise out into the airwaves. Why? Because a greater kingdom is coming to defeat a lesser kingdom. This is how we bring the kingdom of heaven onto earth. So simple, yet so powerful. In uh, Acts 16, verse 25, lots of us will be familiar with this one too. When Paul and Silas are imprisoned, they cast out a demon from a witch 
And then the trades or people that were selling stuff, they didn't like it. Like, you're now affecting my business. Throw them in jail. <laughs> Who would have thought the price of freedom was actually to be put into jail? <laughs> so it says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Worship is a powerful weapon. Guess what? People are actually listening to what's coming out of here. And they're watching your life to see who you worship. It says very clearly here, the prisoners were listening to Paul and Silas when they began to lift up hymns, songs of praise to God. <clears throat> Goes on in 20, verse 27, and the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and you and your household. Worship has the power to usher in the Lord's salvation. That's what we're doing. We're ushering in the victory. We're going to land this now. But I feel like some of us are either, we've either, we're about to head into a battle, we're either in a battle or we've just come out. And the Lord wants to strengthen us in worship. Why? Because our eyes are not on us, it's on Him. So if you're feeling that way, I encourage you in a second to come, either here at the front or stand where you are and really engage with God. Just focus on Him. For those of us who don't know Jesus, this is your opportunity to know Him. And can I tell you that who we worship here affects who we worship in eternity. I am not playing games with you. I used to worship the devil. Addicted in my sin, living in darkness. I stood in my mother's kitchen at the age of 15 with a knife to my wrist ready to end it. I was worshiping the devil. And God showed up and He said, you are my son, I love you. And He actually saved me. I received salvation. God loves you. He is a loving Father. We know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whomever should believe in Him receive eternal life. You will not perish. If that's you in this place, with all heads bowed and eyes closed. I want you to lift your hand. Jesus loves you and is calling you home. Worship is not just a bunch of let's, let's just jam. Let's just play music that makes us feel good. This has to do with your eternity, guys. It is literally life or death. Will we worship the God of life or we worship the destroyer. It's that simple. If you don't know Jesus, 
and you want to receive him, lift your hand. Thank you. Awesome. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and the price he paid. Thank you for the blood that forgives us of our sin. Thank you for your resurrection, that we receive new life in you. Lord, I turn from myself, I turn from the devil, and I turn to you, Jesus. I give my life to you. I will worship you all the days of my life. Thank you for the cross. Amen. Awesome. If you prayed that prayer, whoever did, gentlemen, you, you raised your hand. We've got a prayer and ministry team that would love to connect with you. Guys, why don't we give this man a, a hand? He's just given his life to Jesus. Come on. And for those of us of the worship team, if you can come up, let's, uh, let's go back into to, um, how great is our God. Why don't you stand to your feet? I mentioned earlier that God wants to strengthen you in worship and warfare. In, a, in Exodus, Moses was standing on, on the mountain and he had to call upon Aaron and Hur to come and stand with him and hold up their, his arms that they would not lose the battle. That's what we're doing right now. We're lifting our hands to Jesus. So we will not lose ground. We will hold ground and we will take ground. Thanks for listening to another online message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.